0: Today I am going to speak on uh, relevancy, being relevant. So this is uh, our vision statement. Let's read it here together. Our vision is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. This is kind of a, if you could put in a sentence, what we believe we're called to do, it would be represented in this sentence. And so one of the things that is necessary to us outworking the second half of this sentence is that we can ensure we're able to outwork the first half of it, and that we are a people who's radical, um, and we're a people who are relevant. And I just wanna highlight the relevance this morning and talk a little bit about what it is to be a people of relevancy. And so we're going to kick off from a passage in 2 Corinthians. It's going to be our basis for our study this morning. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 and 20, and this is Paul speaking here to the church in Corinth. And he says, He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though through God, as though God were making his appeal through us. I'm sorry. We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We're going to break that down a little more in a bit. And so I would summarize relevancy and its, its purpose in this way. The goal of relevancy is that God would be accurately displayed to the world. We're not relevant just to be hip. We're not relevant just to be cool. But we want to be relevant so that we know how to actually accurately display God to the world that he would be seen. And so we are told by Paul that you and me are ambassadors with a job of expressing God to the world. So the word ambassador there, um, the root of that word means one who is senior, one who is um, more Um, mature, one that has a greater understanding. And so the role of an ambassador is somebody who understands and grasps the culture that they are from, who can then go into a different culture, into a different arena. And while also being able to grasp and understand that culture, through that understanding, that they could represent their culture so it could be understood by another culture. And we see this out working in the world um, all the time. In fact, uh, Russia just kicked out a whole bunch of ambassadors. You've probably heard about that in the last few weeks. Um, Because I guess they are not wanting to receive from that culture anymore. And so my goal and yours is that ambassadors for God, understanding and grasping the culture of heaven, that knowing what it's like to be people of heaven yet living in the world, we can represent the culture of heaven to the world. So let's talk a little bit about what it is to be an ambassador and represent. I'm going to tell you a story about an experience that I had which taught me a little bit about this. This happened when I was 14 years old. Now some 29 years ago. And so here I was, a 14-year-old boy, um, growing up in England, and I went to a small Christian school. So anybody else who's gone to a small Christian school can identify with me on what that experience was like. And um, we had wanted, as a school, to go on a ski trip. And in England, of course, it doesn't really snow very much, and we live down in the south. So what we had done is we had gone a number of times to the dry ski slope, and I don't even know if you have these here um, because it does snow here. Um, but they have this ski slope, and they put this um, material down which looks like an inverted, like um, plastic brush, and you uh, and you ski over these like plastic bristles, um, which has a sort of which emulates the surface of kind of a slippery surface of snow. And so you can actually learn to ski on this dry ski slope. And so me and my friends, we were all excited about this. We were learning to ski. We were getting pretty good. And then the school decided that we should go on a ski trip. But because it doesn't snow really in England, that means we have to go overseas. So the common places to ski would be like uh, Switzerland or Austria, maybe France. But here's the problem with that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was in a small Christian school. So because we were English and Christian, that meant we were poor. <laughs> so so um, things have changed a little bit since then. But we were all poor, so we couldn't go to Switzerland. We didn't have enough money for that. So a lot of research was done. And we discovered that if we went to a communist country, you could get a ski trip for about half the cost as if you went to Switzerland. So naturally, this was a brilliant idea that someone had conceived. And so we set about to go on this school ski trip for about two weeks to Romania. Has anyone here been to Romania? One person, two people have. This is fantastic. So I went to Romania in 1988 under the reign of Nikolai Ceausescu. So students of history will know that he was a terrible man And a communist dictator. Yet surprisingly, as we had researched the brochures for this wonderful ski resort, we saw these glistening mountains, we saw these wonderful mountain cafes, we saw happy people in bright ski clothes careering down the mountainside. We saw huge steaks on plates and espresso and all kinds of wonderful things. So, That is what we thought we were going to experience when we decided to go to Romania. All our fears were allayed and we excitedly got on the coach and we traveled to Heathrow and we got on a plane and we set off, the plane took off, and we flew through the night. And then as we were coming towards our destination, our anticipation as these young teenage boys was just growing and growing. And we were so excited about these cafes and the ski slopes and the food we would eat and everything else that was so wonderful in communist Romania. <laughs> and the plane began to descend. And that sense of, you know, there's a mixture of, um, it's kind of fear and excitement. When you're, when you're expecting something that you believe to be great, but you have, don't really know what it's going to be like, you've never experienced it before. So the plane began to descend, and then we could see the city before us. And we just saw this rather drab, gray city below us. We weren't concerned about that. The plane then got closer to the airport, and we began to line up to land on the runway. The tires hit. There was that screech and the puff of smoke. And then the plane began to decelerate more and more. And then as it got to what I would say was about a running speed, my friends and I were peering out of the window to see what we could see, and we began to see soldiers running alongside the plane in their full army gear, holding (laughs) AK-47s, running beside the plane at full pelt. The plane slowed down and then we looked out into our dismay. It was surrounded by soldiers with AK-47s. Suddenly, fear overwhelmed us, and we thought to ourselves, how stupid have we been? Why were we thinking we could go skiing in Romania? We're just going to be enslaved now and put to work in hard labor, and we're going to have to live in big concrete buildings and wear drab gray and brown clothes and It'll always be gray and we'll never be allowed to smile and we'll have to work 12, 14 hours a day for for nothing. And we were just filled with horror at what was about to happen. Because that was our first experience of Romania. The people that were there to show me what Romania was like, that's what they showed me. We got up from the plane and tentatively, we went to the um, concourse where you get off the plane and we were separated from the foreigners with the Romanians, but we were whisked off, treated very nicely, put into a luxury coach and driven off into the mountains. And as it turned out, the Romania that I'd seen on the brochures was in fact the Romania that we experienced. They brought out a bear steak. Yes, we ate bear. That was like this big and was flambéed. It was all on fire. And, and we feasted. And then the local ski workers paid me an insane amount of money for my old purple Adidas sweatpants. Because, because, because they couldn't get them. And we just lived high on the hog for the whole 10 days. And it was awesome. But what is my point? Initially the ambassadors that were there to show me what romania was like they misrepresented romania and left me and my friends filled with fear and trepidation thinking to ourselves what have we got ourselves into i don't want anything to do with this and we need to be careful we need to be shrewd we need to be wise That we understand as kingdom ambassadors that we are representing the king to a people who have no comprehension of him. And we need to ensure that we can represent him as he would want to be represented. Lest we leave everybody with fear and trepidation at the lives which may lay ahead of them. Amen? And we're going to look at three principles of being an ambassador so that we can grasp hold of this and we can grow in this principle. We're going to look at the Ambassador's Handbook, and we're going to look at the God is's. <laughs> we're going to look at three God Is statements from the Ambassador's Handbook, which teach us and instruct us how we are to represent God. Um, so let's jump in. Um, before we do that, <clears throat> I want to highlight two pitfalls of being an ambassador. What we're talking about is something that seems elementary, but it's not necessarily. And if we don't grasp what this is, we fall into two pitfalls. Pitfall number one is we misrepresent God. And that's the purpose of my Romania illustration. We don't want to misrepresent God, but equally pitfall number two um, pitfall number two is we don't represent Him at all. Which is equally bad. And so we've got to incline ourselves to examine our lives and to find inspiration from God that we know how to be an ambassador for Him. So let's look at the God is statements. The God is, is. number one, God is about joining and not separating. I think if you could summarize um, the consensus of people who don't know God, they would probably, if asked this question, say God is more about dividing than he is uniting. But the heart of God, and therefore the mission for me and you, is that we can present a God who is about bringing together and not pulling apart. Let's break this down and look at it a little bit more closely. Um, I'm going to read again the 2 Corinthians passage. It says, He has committed us to the message of reconciliation... We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Reconciliation, it's used four times. It's a Greek word. It's catalage, And it comes from the business of being a money changer. If you were a catalage, you would be changing money. You would be recognizing one thing here has a value to that which is here, and you would exchange one for the other. The job for you and me is to be one who brings people together towards God and not separates them from God because God has an exchange which is real, real simple. That everything that is separated, those who don't know God from God, that sin that has separated them, is now exchanged for something that in God's eyes is equal value, which is a perfect sacrifice and a sinless life. And that God is appealing to those who don't know him through you and me, that you could exchange that sin and that shame and that hardship for, repent, for, for forgiveness and for restoration and for joy and for fellowship. And that is the ministry of reconciliation. What I am called to do is to present a God who has something to exchange for those that don't know him. And he'll take what they have and exchange it for what he has and draw them into fellowship to him. Isn't that amazing? We have an obligation to explain heaven and the heavenly one to the world in a way that they will grasp it in the way they'll understand that a way is that is fair and representative of who God is. You know, when I was working in a sales environment, which I did for many, many years, um, in sales training, there was a phrase that was often used to direct us, which is this, perception is reality. And I was taught, always told that I am responsible not just for what I say and what I mean to say, I'm responsible for what the other person ends up believing. And it's a sobering thing, but it holds us to a higher standard that that I am responsible for what those around me believe about the one that I serve and I love. It's not just to do with the words that I say or what I in fact believe in my heart, but what do those people who I interact with, what do they believe about the God that I serve? All right, the God is is Number two, God is wonderful, not weird. <laughs> God is wonderful, and God is not weird. <laughs> I had a friend who I remember we were in Bible school, and he was a funny guy. Always made me laugh, and he would often say to people, "He'd like, you know, I um I have one thing against you. It's one word, begins with W, and ends with eared. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird." <laughs> and <clears throat> God really isn't weird, you know. The you know the saying we have uh, is often said that. Guns don't kill people, but people kill people. I think we could say something like, God doesn't make people believe he's weird, but people make people believe God is weird, right? (laughs) Um, God is not a weird God. He's not a God that is super strange. He is a God that operates perhaps in an unconventional way, but he is not a weird God. And so we got to be wise in how we represent God, that we allow the Holy Spirit to work through our personalities with who we are, but that in doing that, it presents God accurately to those people around us. You know, the Bible says, Joel prophesied this, that the Holy Spirit will fall upon all flesh. So, the Holy Spirit works through my personality. My personality isn't the Holy Spirit, but if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will communicate himself through my personality. So, for some people, um, they may express the Holy Spirit in a very eloquent, a very steady, a very quiet way. That's awesome, because that's their personality. Somebody else who's incredibly demonstrative may express God in a very loud way, in a very demonstrative way. They may be jumping up and down. They may be just hyperactive. Now, God is working through them in their personality. Hyperactivity isn't God. <laughs> but if somebody who is hyper is full of the Holy Spirit, they may express the Holy Spirit in a very hyperactive or demonstrative way. And that's okay. But we've got to recognize that it is... It's the spirit of God that we've got to reach out and convey and not just um, put on God all the different personality characteristics and elements of those people who express God. Amen? And I know a lot of people at different times have struggled with this. Like, why does somebody respond to God in a certain way and somebody else does not? That's just because we have different personalities. We have different hardwirings. We're wired a different way. That's okay, but I also need to be wise that when I am representing God to somebody else, whether I'm doing this one-on-one or whether we are gathering as a family, that I am accurately representing God actually how he is to those people who are around me. Let me ask you this. More of a challenge, I would say, if we look at Jesus, Jesus represented the Father in an incredible, real, profound, and appealing way, an immensely winsome way, pretty much to all those he reached out to. Can you represent God to those people around you in the manner that Jesus did? I believe that you can, and I believe that we can. Some people will be offended by the things that Jesus said. I get that. I do get that. But equally, God was represented in a way that reach the hearts of those people that Jesus was speaking to because Jesus understood the culture and the heart of his father. He understood the culture and environment in which he was speaking and he was an amazing ambassador to show to people who God was and what that exchange was that God wanted to bring about and I believe in this season that there's a quickening uh, among the church, and I believe there's a move of the Holy Spirit that is wanting to bring people into a Christ-like ministration of being an ambassador, that we can present our Father in a winsome, appealing, and powerful way to everybody who we come across. And I think people will turn to Him, when we can just do it in a really real and, and, and ordinary way. And I got a testimony on that in a little bit. But we can present God like Jesus did, and we can present the wonderful God, not the weird God. Amen? All right. The final God is. God is relatable, not remote. I think, again, people would say of not knowing God from what they have seen from what has been portrayed, that God is a remote God. But that is not true, and God is a highly relatable God. Let's talk a little bit about that. Philippians 3.20, Paul says here that our citizenship is in heaven. We then again read as he talks to the Ephesian church. He's talking about how we were raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are dual citizens. We live from heaven, but we live here on earth. And so what we have to do is to take that which is of the heavenly realm, learn how to live in it ourselves, and then learn how to live from it and display it here on the earth where we live. It's like, to some people, it would seem like these things don't go together. It's like, to me, the English, it's like sausage, breakfast sausage and syrup doesn't go together. But if you actually can try it for the first time, you will experience that there's a perfect marriage. You've got to have the syrup on the sausage. And so we're a room full of believers, full of the syrup of the Spirit, that we've got to get the syrup on the sausage, right? (laughs) Because the sausage needs the syrup. And the two are designed to come together. And our ministry is to show the world what the culture of heaven is while we here live on earth. So let me give you a real practical example. I really appreciate people who learn to do this in a very ordinary and real way. I was hearing a testimony from Danielle Sisto, I don't think she's here today, otherwise, I'd have her share it, um, of how she ended up praying for one of her cousins and they experienced a pretty miraculous he- healing. But I, I was tested by this in the season that I was working as a sales manager and. I remember different times when I was provoked by the Holy Spirit um, just to take myself out of the church culture and language and verbiage that I've been immersed in for so long and learn to actually talk about my Father God like he was a real person. Because guess what? God has a personality. So if I can explain my father, my natural father to somebody, I should be able to explain my heavenly father to somebody. I remember one time I was talking to a a girl at work who was explaining some of the challenges that she had in her life, um, in her marriage, and uh, she was talking about her Catholic belief and some of the issues she had about how she felt she was so unworthy. And I remember just the Holy Spirit just prompting me the time, just said, talk to her, just tell her what it is like for you in your relationship with God? And so I just began talking to her in a really natural way, and I just said, yeah, you know, Victoria, God doesn't really think about you the way He thinks about you. Why do you think that God looks down on you and that you are separated from Him? We got into a conversation and I just told her without feeling this immense kind of unction of the Holy Spirit, I just told her in a very natural way what I understood of my Heavenly Father in language that she could grasp hold of and receive. And I remember seeing like kind of her eyes opened as just simple truth pushed into her spirit when I was speaking just truth about who God was, and it began to do what Thessalonians says, where it began to have its work inside her and change her from the inside. Because the word of God will perform its work in those who believe it. So as I'm speaking truth and she's believing what I'm saying, it's actually changing her inner man. It's preparing her, readying her for salvation. We know the passage in Isaiah about the the word of God that will not return to him void. Now, we think of the Word of God is that we've got to just always be quoting Scriptures to the people. But the Word of God is when you and I also speak truth about who God is to those people who want to know about who God is. And when we speak truth about Him, it goes into people's hearts. The Holy Spirit will water on that seed, and per what we heard from Brandon earlier, whether it takes two days or two years or two decades... But that word of truth will not return to him void without accomplishing that which he desires. God is a relatable God. He's not a remote God. And we can talk about him in a real, real way. I want to encourage all of us this morning to recognize our ministry our commission is ambassadors, and to be a people that as we know the Father, we are prepared to talk about and speak about as much as we do know. You may feel like you don't know much, then tell as much as you know. If you feel like you know a lot, tell as much as you know. But speak of Him, communicate about Him, the real, relatable God The wonderful God, the God who's not weird, and the God who is in the business of bringing people to him. He's in the business of joining and not separating. And as we do this and we're real, we're gonna see the seeds that we sow with our lips, the deeds that we do, bring a great harvest about, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, that you have not made this difficult for us, Lord, but you have made this something which every one of us can achieve here. And so, Father, we just yield ourselves to you. And I pray, Lord, for every person in this room that, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would provoke them, that you would ignite faith to be able to be an ambassador for you, to be able to represent you to those around them. Lord, show each one of us people that we can speak to, simple conversations that we can have that are natural, that are powerful, that are productive, Lord, that, that, don't, that, that are not out of reach, that we can be people who represent you for who you are, that where there is fear of you, we can take it down, where there is shame, that we can break it down that we can break through those lies that the enemy has wanted to perpetuate about who you are, and we can deliver truth that people can know who you are. And so, I just pray that you would empower us, Lord, that you would provoke and revive us, that we can be ambassadors for you in Jesus' mighty name.